Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast, where it's all about uncovering questions, thoughts, and discoveries in your own personal Book of Mormon study. I know it seems crazy, but for over four years, I've been writing out the Book of Mormon, word for word, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It's amazing what we can learn when we slow down and give space for personal revelation and insights beyond our normal reading pace. I'm Susan Gardner, a convert, a cyclist, and a Zuma to eight amazing grandkids. Come with me as we unveil new perspectives and understanding as I continue to write out the Book of Mormon. Well, hello, everybody. I'm your host, Susan Gardner, and you're listening to Writing the Book of Mormon podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. The rest of the story was a Monday through Friday radio program originally hosted by Paul Harvey. Beginning as a part of his newscast during the Second World War, and then turned into his own series on the ABC radio networks. The rest of the story consisted of stories presented as little-known or forgotten facts on a variety of subjects, with some key element of the story held back until the end. The broadcasts always concluded with a variation on the tagline, But now you know the rest of the story. Did you know there is a rest of the story in the Book of Mormon? Well, not really a rest of the story, but rather an addition to the story. When I found verses that connected stories nine chapters apart from each other, a well-known story became even more inspirational to me. I remember reading and writing out Alma, chapter 17. Because of time, I'll summarize the first nine or so verses. They go something like this. Here Mormon is talking. He talks of Alma and the sons of Mosiah's joyous reunion after 14 years of missionary service. He then speaks of both successes and sufferings they endured as they served among the Lamanites. In verse 6, he takes us back to the past. In fact, he begins the verse with the words, Now these were their journeyings. They head out of Zarahemla and into the wilderness. We learned that they fasted and prayed and desired to be instruments in God's hands. And that brings us to verse 10. And it came to pass that the Lord did visit them with his spirit and said unto them, Be comforted. And they were comforted. Comforted? I often wondered why they were comforted. Were they seriously worried about something? They seemed to have something uh, or something was not in control. Anyway, that verse always seemed to stick out to me as kind of oddly disconnected to the narrative. I just assumed that they must have had uh, in some, been in some sort of jam and the Lord sent a spirit to help them get out of it. Anyway, next verse, verse 11. As the Lord giving clear advice to, if I may simplify, go forth among the Lamanites, be patient in long-suffering and afflictions, and be a good example. And if they do these things, they'll make them an instrument in his hands, and he will bring salvation to many souls. Verse 12 tells us that their heart took courage, and that they went forth into the Lamanites. They split up and go their separate ways into the land of Nephi. The next nine chapters are full of amazing accounts of these missionaries' successes and struggles. When we arrive at chapter 26, we are back at the reunion, but this time it's Ammon speaking to his brothers. He reviews the amazing blessings they have experienced as missionaries. Remember, as he reviews, he does so with overwhelming enthusiasm, so much so that his brother Aaron rebuked him and accused him of boasting. But Ammon defends himself, explains himself, lovingly sets his brother straight, and gives all the glory to God. 
Good for you, Ammon. Jogging down to verses 23, 24, and especially verse 27. This is where Ammon gives new, the new details. I can hear Paul Harvey's voice in my head already. Verses 23 and 24. Now, do you remember, my brethren, that we said unto our brethren in the land of Zarahemla, We go up to the land of Nephi to preach unto our brethren, the Lamanites. And they laughed us a scorn? For they said unto us, Do you suppose that ye can bring the Lamanites to the knowledge of the truth? Do you suppose that ye can convince the Lamanites of the incorrectness of the traditions of their fathers, as stiff-necked of people as they are, whose hearts delight in the shedding of blood, whose days have been spent in the grossest iniquity, whose ways have been ways of a transgressor from the beginning? Now, my brethren, ye remember that was their language. I didn't know this. Can you believe it? Their own people doubted their ability to be missionaries to the Lamanites. They didn't even have the support of their own people. Wow! It must have been especially devastating not to have the confidence and opinion of people you value the most. Casting doubt. Doubt whether it begins starting from the inside of your own head or from the outside spoken by someone else is powerful. Why is it that doubt seems so sticky. Once it's cast, it seems to have the ability to stay with you, always nagging at you, especially if those words were said to you with a demeaning tone. Speaking of a demeaning tone, I found something interesting as I wrote out verse 24. Listen what happens when an extra emphasis on the second word ye is stressed. Do ye suppose that ye can bring the Lamanites to the knowledge of the truth? Do you suppose that ye can convince the Lamanites of the incorrectness of the traditions of their fathers? Anyway, you get the idea. Can you see the difference? Reading it with this emphasis on the second ye seems to convey more a personal attack to what's being said, opposed to making it sound like a general statement of doubt. I'm aware I'm speculating about the voice inflection, but as I consider Ammon's words, they laughed us to scorn, I feel safe to say that although they may have had good intentions, they probably were quite harsh in expressing their opinion. When doubt creeps into the ability to believe, it stifles confidence. As I consider all Alma and the sons of Mosiah accomplished despite a lack of confidence from those at home, a reminder to myself is the Lord can and does move his work forward with whomever is willing to serve no matter their background, experience, or amount of support back home. Now, verse 27 of the same chapter, chapter 26. This is the second part, important part, of the rest of the story. Ammon adds this little bit of information to Mormon's commentary I didn't connect before. Again, verse 27. While reminiscing with his brothers, he says, Now, when our hearts were depressed and we were about to turn back, Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. This valiant, faithful group of amazing men that were snatched from their awful, sinful, and polluted state to become over-the-top valiant converts and had endured so much to get to this point were what? Depressed in their hearts and were about to turn back? They felt so discouraged they were about to give up? I didn't know that, did you? This added insight was huge for me. 
So when I went back and reread verse 10 in chapter 17 and saw they were comforted, now I understood why. They knew what they wanted to accomplish but were worried. They didn't have everything under control. Connecting this new information with what I had read before completes the story now. Let's put them together. Now, when our hearts were depressed, we were about to turn back. And it came to pass that the Lord did visit them with the Spirit, and he said unto them, Be comforted. And they were comforted. Now I get it. I see a more clear picture of what happened here. As I sat back and I thought about these additions, I couldn't help but ask myself a question. Out of all the examples Ammon could have brought to the attention of his brothers, why was it lack of support, self-doubt, and feeling depressed in heart? Why? Here's what I think. I think Ammon chose to mention these particular examples out of all he could have brought up because these examples must have been very poignant moments to all of them. Even after all the years that have gone by, he mentions the time when little support, self-doubt, and feeling depressed in heart left them all feeling discouraged and anxious about the task ahead. They all witnessed the contrast between feeling earthly anxiety and receiving heavenly comfort. Although they eventually departed and went their separate ways and had their own individual experiences, at this point in time, they remembered sharing something sacred together. This was a defining moment for all of them. I also wonder, as they looked back and thought about all they had gone through, if they recognized how this experience, feeling unsupported and having doubt and being depressed in their heart, actually set a precedent for the years of service ahead. I could almost hear Ammon saying to his brothers, Remember how hard it was? Remember how discouraged we felt? We almost missed it, and I think we about turned back. I've named verses like these gems. Verses like these add so much to a story I thought I knew before. I'm so thankful for the gems I've discovered in the scriptures. I'm so thankful to know I can be comforted when I'm feeling self-doubt and depressed in heart. This motivates me not to turn back and take the chance of missing any good God has in store for me. But now you know the rest of the story. It's not important you discover it first. It's more important you discover it for yourself. Slow pace, give space. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who also loves the Book of Mormon. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like our page and join our community. You type in writing the Book of Mormon dash discussion group. This will keep you up to date and current with new topics and conversations surrounding our study. I do appreciate you and I hope you have an amazing day.